You are now listening to Shades of Jay, the podcast, a podcast created to empower spiritual growth and build confidence for the everyday believer. This is also for the entrepreneurial Christian trying to find balance between business and kingdom, even for the non-believer with an open mind and hopes to becoming one. Being a follower of Christ's has its many stereotypes. We're here to break out of those religious boundaries without watering down the gospel. Join myself, Aaliyah J, and special guests every Wednesday as we start the conversation. Welcome to Shades of J. Welcome back to Shades of J, the podcast. As always, my name is Aaliyah J, your hostess. And if you are new, it is nice to meet you. If you are not new and you've listened to an episode or you're a part of the family, welcome back. I know I haven't done an episode in about a week to two. However, we do have a new episode today, which is the great news. Today's episode is entitled A Letter to the Faithful. And before I get started, if you are not familiar with where you can find Shades of J, the podcast, you can literally find us anywhere that you may listen to podcasts, mainly Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Shades of J, I mean, on, excuse me, on the our Instagram at shades.jay. Again, that is shades.jay. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Our objective or targeting point is to be living a life that God will respond to. And one thing I want to make clear about this platform is this is not a platform for only feel-good messages. And by that I mean, yes, giving your life to Christ is the best thing that you could do. However, the gospel, the Bible, the word of God is not all about just making you feel good. It's about improving, re-improving, cutting, molding, shedding, letting go of, growing, which is uncomfortable. It's about process. The Bible is not just a feel-good message. And I've come to learn that always hearing a feel-good word is more of a detriment um, than not. And when I say feel good message, I just mean those messages about prosperity and growth. Because without actually, I guess, being rebuked, rebuked, uh, meaning checked, if you will, to put it in uh, urban terms, I I guess, um, or being chastised, there is no growth. Without being disciplined, there is no growth. Without trial and tribulation, there is no growth. You know, they say that without a test, you don't have a testimony. And so I just want to quickly put it out there that take note or be careful of or proceed with caution when always looking for the feel-good message. We live in a society today where everything on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever in the case, especially when it comes to the 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 gospel or the word of God, when you're hearing these sermons, it's always a feel-good message saying how you're going to get money or this year is your year or this is your season. And this is like the thing that they say every single time. It's your season. It's your year. But to keep it real, every season is not going to be your season. In fact, it is written in the Bible, in scripture, that there's a season for everything. So you're going to have a good season. You're going to have a bad season. You're going to have an awesome season. You might have a season where you're feeling just down out and not like you're doing well. There's a season for everything. You can find that over and I believe, and I'm probably going to butcher this book's name, but it's Ecclesiastes. Ooh. If I butchered that, y'all, please forgive me. However, just beware of that. That was a long intro, but I just wanted to say that. And it occurred to me the other day, because this season, it's not my season. And not too many people want to admit that out loud. They really don't. 
They really, really don't. Everybody wants to pretend on Instagram, but like I said before, and I'll say it again, this is a space where I want to be fully authentically me. And this season, you guys, it is not not my season because this is the thing. If you're struggling, not that anyone's life is perfect, but if you constantly are finding yourself struggling, whether that be financially, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically, how can you sit up here and say it's your season? Uh-uh. If that's what it being your best life or your season looks like, then I would hate to know what your bad season looks like, you know? And so I was sitting back thinking, and I was on Twitter. Um, I actually just recently just deleted my Twitter. But before I did, I came across a tweet and it said, God does not forsake the righteous. I want to repeat that. The tweet read, God does not forsake the righteous. And just to elaborate on that message, because those few words blessed me, I think more than this person who tweeted that will ever know. Example, when I'm going through life, right? My belief system after I got saved is saved is to be completely dependent on the Lord. No matter what it looks like, no matter how I feel, I'm completely dependent on God, right? And so I've, I'm going through the motions and, you know, I was saved about three years ago. I gave my life to Christ about three years ago. And, you know, I'm always reminded that it is written that there will be trial or trials and tribulations shall come. You know, it doesn't say that they may, it says that they shall. So again, understanding and knowing that just because I gave my life to Christ does not mean things get uh better but the 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 load i'm no longer carrying is alone you know i can cast my cares and give everything to christ laying them at his feet but reading that i was like wow because there's times where i'll pray about something and i feel like i'm just getting knocked back 10 steps or i feel like i'm doing good finally like okay finally i'm like doing what i need to be doing but i feel stagnated and I'm like, what is this about? Like, I feel, this is me, I, how I feel. I feel like I'm doing what I should be. I feel like I'm living in a, living a life that God will, I guess, co-sign on, right? That, and, and, and this is just me being honest. And obviously, I'm completely wrong, right? And then I read that message and, I, and I'm like, wow. God does not forsake the righteous. Well, what does that mean? Righteous. First of all, I want to uh, just give you the definition of righteous. Righteous is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. The biblical definition of righteousness, I found two. One of them is acting in accord with divine or moral law. The second definition, oh, moral law, free from guilt or sin. The second definition is morally right or justifiable, a right, a or a justifiable righteous boom. So immediately I'm like, okay, God, you right. I got it. I am not, you know, because I, I think I've said this before. God is the is the true. He is the true and living God. And so when you go to God with a lie, um, you just might as well either not go at all or <laughs> just go with the whole truth no matter how ugly it sounds or how bad it may seem or how bad it may look take the whole truth and nothing but the truth to God is what I'm learning and y'all I'm not just speaking to you I'm speaking to us because God responds to truth of course he's going to check or chastise or rebuke a lie but he honors those who are honest with him because he is honest with us. No matter how it makes us feel, you know, the little saying, God breaks our hearts to save our souls. So all the time that God responds, it might not always make you feel good, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, God, well, you checked me. He checked me because, you know, I was praying or maybe I'm just talking to him and I'm like, mm, I just feel stagnated, God, like I'm doing everything that I should do. And then I get the definition of righteous. I'm like, oh, okay, God, I take that back. Obviously, I am doing something wrong. And yes, that is that is the case. Now, please note, because Christians get this messed up all the time. 
that we will never be perfect. God is perfect. No one except for God is perfect. So as believers, we need not to try to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, live a life of perfection or strive to live a life of perfection because we will never get there. We will never be perfect in the eyes of the Lord. This he knows, right? We were born in sinful flesh. We are wrapped in it. And so that does not come as a surprise to God that we are imperfect beings. We are made perfect through Christ. However, he knows that we're not perfect. So when I came across that definition, I said, okay, God, you're talking to me. All right. He didn't just stop there, though. So I asked God, I said, well, can you show me how to live a life of righteousness? What does it look like to live a righteous life? And he took me um, to the spirit, right? And so he brought me to Gal- Galatians 5 and 22. And here you will find the fruit of the spirit. And this is a few characteristics of what the fruit of the spirit is, which would be love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I said, all right, God, you're right. I ain't living a life of perfection. I'm done. I'm not living a righteous life because the reason that I'm having this conversation with the Lord is I didn't understand why I felt like he wasn't responding. And if you know me, I think the only person who really knows this would be, um, one of my best friends, but I get really sensitive when I feel like the Lord's not responding to me. It hurts my feelings because he's really my best friend and his opinion truly matters to me. And when I feel like I'm being ignored, not neglected, I don't feel neglected, but ignored or abandoned, if you will. Um, I always want to check myself first because evidently it says God will never leave us nor forsake us. And there's a song that says, it might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. So I'm always, the Holy Spirit's always checking me, if you will, and reminding me that I'm not alone. But Aaliyah, what does your heart look like? Your heart's posture. What, what, what is it that could be either putting a gap between you and God to where you can no longer hear him when you do pray or when you do speak with him? And so I was like, okay, well, I got to go back to the drawing board. And this is what he gave me was the fruit of the spirit. And y'all, I can tell you right now, reading through all of those kindness, self-control, faithfulness, and gentleness stood out to me because those are, I, I struggle with those a lot. And so I said, all right, I definitely need to work on being more kind because this is the thing when, when Jesus was here and he graced the earth in physical form. He, no matter what, and still till right now, even him being a spiritual being, he is kind. He's not to be messed with, (laughs) but he is kind. He was gentle. He was faithful. Jesus had a ton of self-control. He was the example of self-control. I mean, when they crucified him, before they did it, they were mocking him and talking crazy to him and putting their hands on him. And for someone who had all of the power not to use it, not to even open his mouth and respond, I think his only response was, it is as you say. That takes self-control. And even before the path to the or the road to the cross, just his lifestyle for 33 years, he had a ton of that. I, me personally, I lack self-control. And so the Lord didn't stop there, however. Um, breaking it down further, the purpose of the fruit of the spirit can be found in Ephesians 5 and 9. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I was just speaking about truth, you guys. Truth being one one of the things that God honors, respects, and usually will respond to, eat, well, will always respond to, even if it's not immediate. He will respond to you publicly and privately if you're living a life of truth. So I said, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you. But he didn't just stop there, you guys. He didn't just stop there. He gave me 
illustrations of those who were examples of um, living a, a righteous life. I'm going to throw out a few names. So we have Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samuel, Hannah, David, and of course, Jesus. And so what am I saying by saying all of this? If you feel like you're one of those people like I, who feels like they're doing things right, you know, you've made these minor changes, but you still feel stagnated, you still feel angry, you still feel like life keeps knocking you down or pushing you back, or you may feel like you're speaking to God on a day-to-day basis or more often than not, and you're not hearing him, you don't feel no response. Pretty much what I'm trying to say is your fruits that you're bearing are not fresh, they're rotten. One of the things that God tells us is to pay attention to the fruit that someone bears, meaning pay attention to fruit, um, their lifestyle, their actions, not just their material things, but their actions. If somebody is talking to talk, the fruit would be the way that they walk. These two things should cor- should should correlate, if you will. I'm learning that a lot of non-believers don't want to go to church because the fruit that a lot of believers or Christians bear is rotten. And again, I'm not saying that Christians are supposed to be perfect beings. However, it's hard to want to switch up your life or live a life of righteousness if you're not seeing it for yourself. So an example of that, before I uh, was saved, I never, ever ever had the desire to be married, right? I start going to church. I give my life to God, to Christ, excuse me. And for the first time in my 22, I was 22 when I gave my life to Christ. And my, for the first time in my 22 years, I'm acting like I'm old. <laughs> I finally seen marriages, not just one, not just two, but a handful, if not more of marriages that are not perfect, but that were done right. And I said, oh, okay. So then my mind, or I guess my, my, yeah, my mind started to change on marriages. I'm like, okay, if this is what marriages look like, a healthy one, I'd never, one, I've never seen a marriage. I think the only marriage I saw was very unhealthy. So I saw one marriage pretty much my entire life. And the one I seen was horrible. So I just never really had that desire. But because I'm surrounded by couples that are married and the fruit that they're bearing is good fruit. I said, oh, okay. It's really hard to listen to somebody and they're giving you all this advice, but their life does not reflect what they're saying. And so... I believe that is why the Lord gave me illustrations and examples of people from the Bible who actually were righteous people in his eyes. You got to understand that righteous is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. So although God knows that we're not perfect, if he comes by, he checks our heart. Because God does not look at the outside of man. He doesn't have eyes like we have. He actually checks the heart of a person, right? So it doesn't matter what man feels about you. How does God feel about you? So if he came by here today, which obviously that day when I was really feeling down and out and I'm like, God, why aren't you responding? Or why can't I hear you? Or why is my life like this? He checked my heart and he revealed to me Baby girl, you got some things in your heart that don't either sit right with him or need to be need to be let go of, need to be changed. Some stripping needs to take place. And that is why I let y'all know today's message is not a feel-good message. It's actually one of those messages to check you, to check yourself, to stop pointing the finger at everybody else or everything else and start with you first. And so... I want to talk about David. David is one of my favorite people in the Bible, like literally. Besides Jesus and Joseph and Mordecai, 
David is that guy. David was truly one of the best examples to have in the Bible. Um, and so you can find many, many, many examples of David living a righteous life. Now, the thing about David was he was not perfect. Matter of fact, David was a ladies man. Okay. Or what we would call today, he's a little HOE sometimes. So, sometimes, respectfully. I don't even know if I could say, oh, Lord, forgive me. He was kind of a little whoremonger, if you will. He was a ladies man. He liked the ladies. That was David's little weakness. David was very strong. He was very courageous, but David was a ladies man. He also, in certain occasions, had pride issues and ego issues like most of us right and you know it is written that god he despises <clears throat> excuse me pride you know he he re he, re he not resents he um doesn't deal with pride you know and i'm glad that we have david to look at because he was very imperfect but it is written that he was a man after God's own heart. So because of this, David found a lot, a lot, a lot of favor in the eyes of the Lord because of his lifestyle, because he was a righteous man. So I'm going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I just kind of want to briefly read through this for y'all so you guys can get a quick illustration of of. David and, and whom he was. So starting again, first Samuel, um, and this is going to be chapter, uh oh, not chapter one, chapter 17, verse 26. And I am reading out of the New King James Version. It reads, Then David spoke to then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is the for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And I'm going to just continue to read. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Picking up on uh, 28. Now. Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused towards David, against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of, in the insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. Chapter, I mean, sorry, verse 29 reads, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, the reason that I read that is because right there, David, being who David is, I'm giving examples of David being a man after God's own heart. In verse 27, it said that David answered them. So in this story, they're they're coming against a giant, if you will. Um, then this is when David battle is about to go to battle with Goliath. But the armies at that time they weren't trying to because David or Goliath was a giant and they were obviously afraid. But David comes down. David's the youngest of his brothers. He's literally the baby. He comes down. He's not even supposed to be there. As a matter of fact, he's supposed to be tending to the sheep because that was his job. But he comes down and he's like, "What's up? Like y'all out here scared? Y'all out here saying y'all serve the true and living God and y'all out here afraid of a giant?" His response to the giant or the problem is, who is this man that he should defy the armies of the living God, right? And that, come on now, you got it. It's like courage on a different level. Me personally, if I, if I was there personally and I'm in an army and we're about to go to war with this huge giant that we obviously know is violent and has massacred people and killed people, you know, I'm a little nervous, but see, David knew who he was in God, even at a young age. And then I can even just continue from there if I want to go to 2 Samuel to give you guys another example of David being after God's own heart or just being a righteous man. So I'm going to start at 2 Samuel chapter 9 
verse four. And it reads, so the king said to him, where is he? And and Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mature, the son of Emmanuel. And then it picks up to say, then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mature and his son Emmanuel from Lodabar. Now, when it looks like it reads Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said his name and he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I surely show kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore you all the land of your of Saul and your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. So there goes David again. He's extending kindness, which remember I said that the Lord gave me um, when I asked him, well, how can I live a righteous life? He brought me to the fruit of the spirit. And one of the characteristics of this fruit of the spirit is kindness. David also had the right to kill Saul, King Saul at a point. And the reason being is because King Saul was seeking David's life daily to kill him. And David actually spared Saul his life. For he knew there he could not kill or lay hands on God's anointed, which this is one of God's commandments. You just don't touch God's anointed people. You don't touch his chosen people. So he was one of those people who definitely is a great example of right, a righteous man. Anytime David messes up, and he messed up a lot, the guy messed up a lot, just like we do today. He messed up a lot. But every single time David messed up, he immediately, and I mean immediately when God made it aware to him, or even if his, he, he knew he would repent, he would make sure that he was in good standing before he continued on, but he would pick himself up and he would try again and he, but he would do better. David was the guy who would sin, repent, but then turn away from that sin that he was struggling with or committing. And truly, he lived a life of true repentance. He was kind. David was not to be messed with, <laughs> but he was kind. He was extremely, extremely kind. And again, like I stated, David, um, his life was being seeked by King Saul. So he, one of the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit is long suffering. David had to overcome a lot of trials and a lot of tribulation, but he would do so in love and joy and in peace no matter what and I was like you know what God thank you just thank you for that another example of someone who and you guys stick with me because right now I know this is might be a little boring but it's just a little teaching moment um but another example of someone who lived a righteous life or was a righteous being is Noah and I'm gonna read Genesis chapter 6 verse 7 I'll actually start at verse five or yeah, verse five. Um, It reads, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and bird of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, the reason that Noah found this grace, probably he didn't even realize he did, was his lifestyle. His lifestyle reflected a lifestyle of righteousness. Think about it like God says he's about to destroy the entire earth and every last thing on the earth. That's living. Everything. It didn't matter if it was as small as a gnat or as large as an elephant. It, it got to go because he was so grieved by the wickedness, wickedness of man. It all got to go. But Noah, this one man on this entire earth, found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he was righteous. Now, remember the target today is living a life that God will respond to. So that's just another example. You have Abraham. He's another righteous man. 
Matter of fact, God tells Abraham to leave his home. And he makes God, he makes Abraham a promise. But the reason that God was able to go to Abraham is because Abraham too was a righteous man. So I said, all right, God, you gave me a lot of examples or illustrations of what righteousness looks like. I thank you for that. Because when I feel like my life is just not moving, and if it does move, it's only going backwards, personally, I like to check myself. And reading these different examples in the Bible, I'm realizing that it starts with me. Because I understand that the Lord gives us free will. He gives us free will to think. He gives us, gives us free will to act. He gives us free will to just be ourselves and make our own decisions. But every decision and thought has a consequence. Or whether it's a, you know, good thing or a bad thing, everything that we do, we have to pay for eventually. And I was glad that. I like, sometimes it hurts, but, you know, in certain circumstances, just being honest, when God chastises me, um, you know, thinking thinking of God as being a father, like your father would be to you or your parent would be to you. He chastises those that he loves. And um, I was really blessed in the moment that I got this message to start to study because it was a response. It wasn't necessarily the response I was looking for. It wasn't necessarily a feel-good message. It wasn't something that made me, it wasn't like a rub on the back or a pat on the back. It was more so, Aaliyah, hey, look, this is why I'm not responding to you. Or this is why your life is the way it is. Or this is why you feel the way you feel. This is why you're struggling here. This is why you're struggling there. Because of your heart posture, everything that comes out of the, a man and when I say man, I mean humans, starts in your heart. And it, it starts there and it projects out from there. And so I'm like, okay, this is why I'm saying always trying to look for something to make you feel good is going to get you killed. Or it's just going to have you in this very stagnated place where you're miserable anyways. It can't always be a feel good message. Start with yourself. I have to do that. I'm not saying I had to do that. I'm still there. I'm still referring back to this message, looking over my notes, looking, you know, going to these scriptures that the Lord gave me because I'm understanding that God does not forsake the righteous. When Jesus was here, right? When he's hanging on the cross, he cries out, Abba, Abba, Father. And he, and he says, why have you forsaken me? And I interpreted that the that Jesus was so hurt because Jesus knew for sure, Father, I lived a righteous life. I did everything you said to do. I didn't speak when I wasn't supposed to. I, I, I you know, I, I, I did. I mean, Jesus did so much and alone, even though, yeah, he had the disciples with him. He did the will of the Lord, which is another thing that righteous people do. They do God's will, no matter if they're scared, no matter if they don't want to, no matter what it looks like or feels like they do it. David did it. Moses did it. Hannah did it. Jesus did it. They looked crazy. Yeah, of course, but they did it. And so I, when I was reading Jesus' story and, and he cried out, I was like, it's because he knew for sure that he had done God's will. And he did, he felt in that moment forsaken. He's like, you know, here I am hanging off this cross for these, you know, these, these sinners. And, and they don't even believe in me. They don't believe that I am who I say. They don't like me. They're mocking me. They're spitting at me. They, they, they've beaten me, stabbed me in my side, giving me vinegar, vinegar to drink. And I have all these cuts in these wombs, these open cuts and wombs, like could you even imagine somebody putting vinegar on an open cut or wound all over you when you're thirsty? You're thirsting, you know, and he felt forsaken. Nonetheless, the Lord, our Father in heaven, he came 
He didn't forsake Jesus. We all know how the story goes. Jesus hung his head. He took his last breath. But his story didn't stop there. He rose again on the third day and he was able to fulfill the law. And God exalted him and gave him all power in his right hand. And now Jesus sits at the right hand of God. So we know that Jesus wasn't forsaken. But I'm glad that that illustration is in the Bible so that we can even see for ourselves that even Jesus felt forsaken at a, at a point. But when we feel forsaken, we got to check our heart posture. Because like I said, in that moment, I know Jesus was like, I, I've done all that you've said. And my heart is right with you, you know. It's like. Can we say that? Can we, can that be our response to God? If I say, God, right now, why have you forsaken me? Because this is how I feel. Will God's response to me be well done, my good and faithful servant? Or will it be, uh -uh, you, huh? You feel forsaken because of you, because you're not doing something right. I literally could break down into tears right now just because. It, like I said in the beginning, it really does mean a lot to me when, when God speaks to me. It means a lot. His opinion matters. How he feels about me matters. Like, for real. And so if you're listening to this and you just feel abandoned, you don't believe that God is who he says he is. You don't believe that God even exists or you believe in God, but you just are not understanding why you're not seeing these things that you're praying for coming to pass. And you feel like you're living a certain lifestyle that he could co-sign on or, or, you know, be proud of. Before you get upset with God, check yourself first. Because in order to have a righteous life, there is some things that we might not like that do have to happen. There is a stripping of the self that has to happen. There's a, God does have to begin to mold us. He has to begin to shape us into the beings that he has purposed us to be, that he has called us to be. And when you're living a righteous life, you'll be able to know, you'll be able to tell because you'll be able to tell by the fruits that you're bearing. The reason I could tell something wasn't right is just by my lifestyle. Not not my lifestyle, I'm sorry, it's by my fruits. I'm noticing, I'm producing, um, not poisonous fruits, but what is the word I'm looking for? Um, Like old fruit. I, I, my fruit that I'm bearing is is just whack. It's like some days I'm not at peace. Some days I, I have an attitude. Actually, nine times out of ten, I got an attitude. Something's wrong with that. If you always got an attitude, something's really wrong with you. For real. Check your heart. If you're always struggling in more places than one, check your heart. If you feel like your life is stagnated, check your heart. If you feel like you have been talking to God constantly, you have even fasted and you still ain't getting no response, check your heart. Check your heart. Check, and by check your heart, I mean check your lifestyle. How are you living both publicly and privately? Are you living a life that the Lord even cosigns on? That he could come down here and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are doing a good job. And if you don't know what it looks like to live a life that God co-signs on, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of examples in the Bible. But I just read off some of the names, your Moseses, your David, Jesus, Noah, Abraham, Joseph. Read their stories. Those are some of the greatest examples of people who were imperfect. They were sinners. They messed up bad, really, really bad. Yet and still. God could co-sign and say that that is a righteous person. That is a righteous woman. That is a righteous man. That I co-sign on. That is a life that I am willing to respond to. Um, when they pray, what I'm finding is, and what the Spirit gave to me and showed me is, the righteousest prayers are usually going to be answered and heard first. Just because God has to even abide by his own word. 
is that powerful, right? And so he tells us to do these things. And if we're abiding by these things, he has to respond. So going back to the example of when Jesus calls out to God and says, why have you forsaken me? You know, a little time after that, he hung his head and he ends up, you know, passing away for the, for the time being. But that was, to me, I took it as God's way of saying, good job, well done, my good and faith, faithful servant. You did as I needed you to have done. Or does your lifestyle, is it going to impact the generations after you like David's did? The reason that, and I think I spoke about this on the last podcast, but the reason that Solomon's life was spared and Solomon was the son of King David, um, the reason that God spared him a lot of the time, and he says it, was because of the fact that David, his father, kept the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. So because your dad was an, a man who was righteous and in good standing with me, I'm going to spare you. However, there still will be a consequence, but it's not going to be what you deserve. Can we really sit here and say that our children and our children's children will be, will be spared and have mercy on them simply because of the way that we're living today? Can you, can you, these are questions to ask yourself right now in this moment. For me, especially when I was studying this message, I was like, absolutely not. Matter of fact, I was like, all right, God, you are absolutely right. I am a hot mess. See, because God has a very funny sense of humor. I, I, in, in, in spirit, I'm sure I look a hot mess, a hot, hideous mess on fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not proud to say that. I'm not bragging about that. I'm sure of it. But instead of always going to God about, can I have a car? I need a car. I need, I need, I need a house. I need more money. I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. I want a wife. I'm alone. I want a dog. You know, going to him, seeking his hand, go to him and say, God, help me with my heart. Anything within this heart of mine, because it is written that the heart is deceitful. Anything that is in this heart of mine that you don't co-sign on that is not like you, is not of you, is not of the fruit of the spirit, which was those few characteristics that I just read off. Remove it, God. Expose it to me, God. Show it. Reveal it. And help me to change these things. Strip me of these things. Give me, Lord, a new heart so that I am able to live a life of righteousness, not perfection, but one that if I pray, Lord, you are willing and wanting to respond because you know my cry. When I even groan, you know it's me, God, because you're in his eyes. That one's for me. That's the that's a righteous one. So the response is even if we don't get the response immediately, he immediately begins to work on our behalf in a secret place in private. Because what God does in private for the righteous, he, this, this is what I'm saying. If you're living a life, a righteous life, not to impress man, but solely to impress God and be in good standing with him. He blesses those who do good in private. He will bless those who do those things in public. He will do it publicly. It's not about what you do publicly. Who are you when you're alone? My apostle just said that on Sunday. He said, who are you when you're alone? What are you doing when no one else can see, when no one else can hear? Then what is your response? Then what does your lifestyle look like? God trusts the righteous, the righteous, sorry. Can God trust you? Matter of fact, also God covers the righteous. I always tell people, even, and follow me y'all, don't get lost when I say this, because of the goodness of God's heart, okay? And that he doesn't just give us what we deserve. He gives every human on this earth a chance to get it right to get it together to turn to repent first and to turn from their wicked ways or from their sins right he gives everybody that choice because he gives everybody free will i always tell people that mercy and grace is bestowed upon everybody 
murderers, whores, pedophiles, good people, bad people. All people have grace and mercy. That's just the goodness of the heart of the Lord. Depending on what you decide to do with your free will, I keep in mind, it's, God is not to be mocked. Just because you got grace and mercy, grace and mercy runs out. But for the righteous, those people are covered. So I tell people all the time, I don't want, I'm blessed and I'm extremely thankful for God's grace and his mercy. Because Lord knows I'd be dead right now if his grace and his mercy was not bestowed on, uh, on my life. However, I don't want what murderers get. I want what the righteous get because this difference between a righteous person, a good person, and a bad person is the fact that God covers good people. I mean, not good people. He covers the righteous, meaning you can't even touch this one right here. No, not that one. I don't care how you feel. Because they're in good standing with me, you can't touch them. You can't touch their finances. You can't touch their children. You can't touch anything connected to this one because this is mine. This one's mine. Period. And there's examples of that in the Bible. I'm constantly saying that. I'm like, God, I don't just want, and I'm grateful for your grace and your mercy. I don't just want the grace and the mercy. I want to be covered. I want all things that I touch to be covered and protected from the enemy. I want when I uh, a tear drops and I don't even have to pray or say a word, you already are there to respond. You're already working in my midst. You're already there because of the way that I live. There's benefits to living a righteous life, guys. There is. And if you don't believe me, see, and this is the thing, I don't want y'all to just think I'm just talking just to talk. I do like to talk, but I'm not just talking just to talk. So just to give you an example from scripture, I'm going to start Psalms chapter 5, verse 12. And this reads, again, this is going to be coming from the New King James Version. It reads, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Hey, that's what I just said. So just he, you're gonna be covered. You, he is. It, uh, let me read it again for the people in the back. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. That's that's not grace and mercy, people. That's God's covering. God's covering. Come on. First of all, God's grace and mercy. You want a, you want an example of grace or mercy? I used to steal like real, real heavy back in the day. I think when I was like a freshman in college. Let listen, y'all. I'm not saying I'm not now. Listen, stick with me, guys. <laughs> I'm not telling y'all this because I'm proud of it. I'm telling y'all I wouldn't have a testimony without the test. But I want y'all to understand why it's important to have a life that Jesus is involved in because he done got this little hot mess of a thing together and he's still working on me daily. But yeah, I used to steal heavily, right? Back in the day, you guys, without God's grace and his mercies, um, <clears throat> yeah, I probably would be doing time because I didn't just steal, you know, petty stuff. Oh, I stole for real, like a, a whole entire thief. But because of the grace and the mercy bestowed upon my life, and I didn't even believe in God at this time. I got a $500 fine. No jail time, no house arrest, no, 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 nothing crazy. Matter of fact, my mama ain't even. Probably when my mom hears this podcast, she'll know that I stole like that. Mm-hmm. I thought I got away with it. I didn't. Let me explain to you how funny God's sense of humor is, okay? Mm-hmm. So even though I got the little $500 fine or whatever, I think, matter of fact, I'm lying to you. I'll probably pay like $1,500 because I had like a local fee or whatever and then I had like a federal one whatever in the case oh and by the way I was older than 18 so they could have put that as a felony on my record mm -hmm. but see God's grace his mercy bestowed upon my life none of that just had to pay some court fees and that was it didn't have to go before a judge or anything literally paid the fees and went on so here I am thinking I'm slick right but see one thing you're gonna le learn about God is he has the best sense of humor his sense of humor is so good that it's not funny Mm -hmm. And so all the stuff that I stole, you guys, it was, um, I forgot to pay a fee, right? And so this is how stupid I am, okay, you guys? 
<laughs> all the stuff that I stole. So I had a ticket that I forgot to pay. And a letter came in the mail. And thankfully, my mom didn't see the letter. I read the letter. And the letter says that there will be, and because I'm stupid and I'm not a real criminal. You know, I was born and raised in the suburbs. I'm just a child doing some dumb stuff. Um, I thought that the letter read that there was a warrant out for my arrest and that I needed to turn myself in, right? Mm -hmm. Even though that is not what the letter said. The letter said, had I not paid this fee by this certain date, there would be a warrant out for my arrest. Okay, so I, I'm thinking... <clears throat> my dumb self, that a police officer is going to come knocking at the door at some, any given point, take me to jail. This is what, this is how my thoughts are going. I immediately, I call my sister, sorry, mom. And I'm like, crying. I'm like, sister, you got to pay. My sister's that girl. My sister's the person you call in times of financial trouble. And so she, um, was like, oh, I have this, I'll pay it, but you got to pay me back. I said, okay. So she said, no, seriously, you have to pay me back. Cause I think the fine was like 500 something dollars, you guys. So I'm like, okay, y'all, how about this? God is so funny that all the clothes that I stole, I'm talking all the clothes that I stole, I took to my best friend's closet, the store or whatever. And they, <laughs> they gave me a nice hefty amount of money. Cause I was, when I was stealing, I told you I didn't steal petty stuff. I mean, I'm stealing designer. I'm still in name brand stuff, okay? And so it all equaled out to as much as, um, or if I even if I didn't reach the mark, it came close to the amount of the fine, right? So here I am with no clothes, um, but I gave my sister, you know, I was able to pay my sister back. I don't even have nothing to show for the stuff that I stole because that's how funny God is. But it does not just stop there, you guys. I'm still thinking there's a warrant out for my arrest and that I can't get a real job. So when I go to search for jobs, you guys, I'm doing, I'm I'm applying for jobs as if I'm a felon or a real criminal who did real time. So there was for about a year and a half to two years, you guys, I'm not even kidding, where I was working with criminals, like People who had just got out of jail and they needed like a start to get on their feet. I'm working in places like that, like warehouses. I'm doing graveyard shifts. There was a point where this scary man comes up to me. He was cool though, but he was like, what are you doing here? Because you just, you know me. I am 4'11", like ditzy, very, you could tell I'm born and raised in the suburbs. And he's just looking at me like, girl, what is you doing here? And I'm like, you know, I just work here. And he just, for the life of him, can understand how, how or why someone like me would be working at a place like that. I even worked in the freezer and this is not to offend anybody, but predominantly most of the people that were in the freezer, we were packaging uh, vegetables, were immigrants and they would actually tell me their stories. I just immigrated from Mexico. So we're working under the table. We're illegal aliens. We're not even supposed to be here, but you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm working in places like that. It didn't, it wasn't until I had moved to Florida. Okay. That I found out one of my friends said, Aaliyah, why do you keep working these weird jobs? Why don't you just go apply to be a server or work at the airport or something? And I'm like, well, I can't because I have a, I have a um a record. And she was like, you do? She was like, well, did you go stand before a judge? Did you like do time? And I missed it. Like, what happened? I said, no, I never stood before a judge. She said, okay, did you, you went to jail or something? I was like, no, girl, what you mean went to jail? She said, so what makes you think you have a record that you have? She said, when you say record, what do you mean by this record? I was like, yeah, I think I got a felony. She said, you think you got a felony? She starts laughing so hard. She said, Aaliyah, boo, if you had a felony, I promise you would know you had a felony. It's not that I think you would know. And I'm like, girl, what? Y'all, I must have called the courts. I am. I was as clean as a whistle. But God's sense of humor is so funny that it's not that I gave back all the clothes I stole to pay my sister back. And for a good two years, was working in these jobs that were for criminals or immigrants because that was what I thought I was supposed to be doing because I thought with my very dumb self who child that I was a uh felon on the run <laughs> and this is a true story you guys that's God's sense of humor but that was an example of God's grace and his mercy covering me I mean I'm sorry bestowed upon me okay I should have did time I should have stood before a judge and I should have had a felony but God and thank you Lord for that oh my gosh y'all and don't never tell that story again but like I said I gotta be very uh authentic here I want to be just very honest with you guys but thank you for the blood of Jesus in all seriousness seriously seriously I do not steal any anymore 
it doesn't matter if it's in secret or it or what have you because if there is one person I know is watching and sees all things that is the Lord so thank you father and thank you Lord for not you know for for for, for, for not giving me what I deserve the consequences that I deserve mm-hmm. and for coming through and really just washing me and cleansing me and getting helping me to get my life I need to give me a shirt that says girl get your life hashtag Jesus Okay, and I have one last example of the benefits of righteous living. Y'all don't judge me. I'm telling you, I used to be a really hot, hideous man. Like if you think you a hot, hideous mess, please read the Bible because these people up in here was a hot mess. But God, please hashtag but God came through and fixed it on up. Mm-hmm. This is why it's, it's, it's very important to have a life with Jesus as a part of because I'm telling you I don't know no I don't really know ugly people that know God to for real I really don't even if they're not the most attractive people on the inside because really that's what matters to God anyhow I don't know too many ugly people that know God I'm just saying mm -hmm. the last example from scripture of um that is benefits of righteous living is Psalms chapter 4 verses three and it reads but know that the lord has set apart for himself him who is godly the lord will the lord will hear when i call to him and i want to read that one more time because i kind of butchered it and break it down really quickly it says but know that the lord has set apart for himself him who is godly the lord will hear when i call to him and this is actually a psalm of David. Um, he is having his moment or prayer with God. And it um, this actually is, it reads, the safety of the faithful. And David says, hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So if you just scroll right down when he's explaining that the Lord, it says that the Lord sets apart for himself. That's that covering. That's that elite treatment. That's that you can't touch this one because this one is mine. I have set this one aside for me. And that go for anybody that try to touch this one. It don't matter if it's the enemy. It don't matter if it's uh, your friend, your enemy. It don't matter who it is. When God sets you aside, the yep, weapons will form, but they shall not prosper in the name of Jesus. And then it goes on to say that the Lord will hear when I call to him. Going back to what I was saying earlier, I'm like, I'm praying and God's not responding to me. This is a, a clear example. This is a clear illustration as to why I'm not hearing God when he responds, because my lifestyle doesn't really reflect the fact that he always should have to respond to me when I pray. But if I can live a life that breeds righteous living and the fruit that I bear becomes fresh fruit, you don't want to go to a tree and pick an apple that's rotten. That was the word I was looking for earlier, by the way. You're going to go to the tree that's bearing fresh fruit, good fruit, healthy fruit you don't want the poisonous fruit you don't want the rotten fruit it's the same thing in the flesh with us so just a quick synopsis of what we went over today this again is a letter to the faithful and we were targeting living a life that god will respond to i really hope you guys got something from this message today. It was not really a feel-good message. This is one of those messages to make you check yourself. Point the finger at yourself and have a real moment with you and God. And say, God, expose me to me. And before you expose me to me, can you prepare me and make sure that I have spiritual eyes to see what it is that you're exposing and spiritual ears to hear when you speak. But show me me, God. And then protect me from me while you and I are working to get me out of this place of old and renewed and transformed by the spirit of you, Lord. Help us to get to this place where you can co-sign on our life, where you can set us aside and cover us, not just have grace and mercies bestowed upon us and our lives, but covering us 
That way our life, not just for our sakes, but our children's sakes and our children's children's sakes, they're covered as well. That when we pray and we call out to you, that you hear us, that you will hear us. I really thank you guys for stopping by. And until next time, I'm Aaliyah J. And this is Shades of J, the podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in with me this week we will return next wednesday at eight o'clock p.m that will be eastern standard time we do post weekly uploads you can find shades of j the podcast on instagram at shades.jay we hope that you all stop by next week for our next episode see you then